opinionated analysis of every KISS release. I am your host, Ryo V, and I thank you for taking the time to join me today for episode 8, Alive 2. Before we get into the album analysis, if you like the podcast, please subscribe. If you haven't already done so, please leave a review on iTunes. Positive reviews and subscriptions help other KISS fans to find this podcast. If you have comments, you want to provide any feedback, you have questions, you want to reach out to me regarding anything in particular about the podcast, you can reach me at psychocircuspodcast at gmail.com. That's psychocircuspodcast at gmail.com. You can also follow me on Twitter, and I am at RyoV on Twitter. That's at R-Y-O-V-I-E on Twitter. So before I get to today's communication, I'm going to break down the uh, fourth wall a little bit. Um, as they say in the biz, right? That's what they call it, the fourth wall? <laughs> I don't know. I'm not in the biz. I'm just a podcaster. But anyway, um, I've noticed that uh, subscriptions have gone up, uh, which makes me very happy. Um, and I noticed that the audience has grown lately. So that makes me very happy as well. Um, anytime you start a podcast or, or a blog or anything of this magnitude, you just never know who's going to read or who's going to listen. And, and you always worry that uh, you know there's going to be no listeners and no readers and that you're really broadcasting to no one. So um, I've been tracking those subscriptions and downloads um, pretty carefully out of the gate from the launch, uh, which was about, uh, I guess about three weeks ago as of this recording. Um, I launched on January 20th, and I am recording this episode on February 14th. Um, so that also gives you an idea of how ahead or behind I am as far as uh, when I record these episodes to when they get posted. I try to stay four or five ahead of the game so that I can continue with the weekly posts. Um, I like to post every Wednesday like clockwork, uh, especially for subscribers who start getting into it and, and start to anticipate that. So, um, But basically I just wanted to say thanks to everybody who has subscribed and has downloaded the show. Um, appreciate you being out there. Um, you know, I looked at the numbers today and saw them continue to grow uh, daily by a lot and uh, just just means a lot to me and uh, makes me very excited and very happy so I'm glad to see that that's going on and I uh, just wanted to give a, a shout out and a thank you to everybody and uh, if there's anything you want to see or hear on this podcast please drop me an email let me know um, you know I do this for you guys I do it for me too because my love for the band and um, my love for podcasting I was able to combine two things together um, to put together uh, this particular podcast so you know I'm always excited about it but ultimately you know I want to I want to put together the best show possible for you guys so anything that uh, you want to hear drop me a line let me know and I'll see about how I can work work it into the podcast and uh, stay tuned uh, you know future episodes I'm thinking about having a, a guest or two on the program in the near future so just figuring out how I'm going to work that in and work that out and so hopefully Hopefully, in the near future, uh, you'll hear an additional voice to mine for one or two episodes as, as a guest spot. So, stay tuned for that. Alright, so let's get to today's communication. And today's communication comes from Tom uh, via email. He sent an email to uh, the Psycho Circus Podcast at gmail.com. And Tom states, Hey, Ryo, love the podcast. I recently came across your podcast and have been enjoying, been enjoying every episode. I like the analysis that you are doing and look forward to hearing insight on future albums, especially the non-makeup years. Question, do you intend to review the band's biographies? Keep up the good work. Well, thanks, Tom. I appreciate the feedback and uh, I appreciate the question. As of now, I don't have any plans to review the biographies, but I do reserve the right to change that decision. Uh, I'm currently focused on the released works of the bands. Um, 
so the albums, the videos, whether that be DVD or VHS, the specials, you know, the TV movies, the TV specials that came out, uh, things of that nature. So I guess anything audio, video related. Uh, I have read the biographies. Uh, I do have a lot of thoughts on them, but in order to do proper po- podcast episodes, I'd really need to go back and reread each biography again. <laughs> and take copious notes uh, in order to properly analyze each biography. Um, Maybe as I get towards the end of the series, I may tackle those books. Uh, But as of now, I don't have any plans to do so. But as I said, I do reserve the right to change my mind. So um, something to think of. If I do it, it'll be much further down the road after I get through all the albums and all the the videos, the home videos and, and TV movies and theatrical releases and things like that so but uh thanks for writing in tom i do do appreciate the email so all right let's get down to the album analysis and this is the album analysis of a live two so live two was released on october 14th 1977 on casablanca records The band members for this album are as follows. Paul Stanley handled vocals and rhythm guitar. Ace Frehley handled lead guitar and vocals. uh, Gene Simmons handled bass guitar and vocals. And Peter Chris was on the drums and vocals. And Eddie Bolandis. I probably mispronounced that. I'll try again. Eddie Bolandis. Uh, B-A-L-A-N-D-A-S. He was the intro announcer for this album. So, um, you know, he does the all right, you wanted the best, you got the best. So that's Ed Belandas. And interesting note, it is not the same gentleman who did the intro on Alive. Um, That was J.R. Smalling, as we talked about in that episode. So, um, different house announcer i guess uh intro announcer however you want whatever you title you want to give him um totally different for the uh the house announcement than the one on a live um and then bob kulik played lead guitars on the studio tracks all american man larger than life and rockin in the usa um as we know alive 2 contains 15 live songs and then it contains uh, five studio tracks, and we'll get into that more as we get into the album analysis. But Bob Kulik did play lead guitar on on the aforementioned three tracks, All American Man, Larger Than Life, and Rockin' in the USA. And this album was produced by Eddie Kramer and Kiss. So they co-produced this record together. The track listing for Alive 2 is as follows. Uh, Detroit Rock City, King of the Nighttime World, Ladies Room, Making Love, Love Gun, Calling Dr. Love, Christine 16, Shock Me, Hard Luck Woman, Tomorrow and Tonight, I Stole Your Love, Beth, God of Thunder, I Want You, and Shout It Out Loud wraps up the first three sides, or the first disc and a half, uh, depending on what version of this you have. Um, And then the studio tracks, which were side four, or the second half of the second disc, um, were All American Man, Rockin' in the USA, Larger Than Life, Rocket Ride, and Any Way You Want It wraps up Alive 2. The album cover for Alive 2, honestly, it's not it's not that great, not to me. Um, it definitely doesn't capture the magic of the live concert the way that a live's album cover did. Um, I think with this cover, with the cover to Alive 2, the band's ego kind of got in the way of them. Um, I understand why they had that ego. By 1977, KISS was one of the most recognized bands in the world. They had multi-platinum albums to spare. Everything that they did turned to gold, or platinum. Um, So the ultra-huge K 
Kiss logo at the top of the record cover, the album cover, makes sense. Um, the large font, Alive 2, makes sense. Uh, and then there's the four images of the band members, which kind of need to be included on a Kiss record, because they've become synonymous with their makeup at this point. You know, by 77, people thought of Kiss, they thought of the makeup, they thought of, oh, you know, who's behind the makeup, because that was the big mystery, you know, nobody knew. Um, So it was almost a trap that the band was caught in. Uh, The back cover enlarges the same four photos of the band, so that has some pop and sizzle. Um, but, you know, looking at the front album cover, it, it's mostly, it's weak. It's a weak album cover. I like the image of Gene with the blood dripping from his lips down his chin and the sweat pouring off of him, showing how intense it was on stage after he had spit blood. But the other images, they're just pretty vanilla. For those that own the vinyl version of this record, the inside gatefold was where the real magic happened. Uh, This was a spread showing a concert shot of the band members on the platforms with smoke and fire rising everywhere. And personally, I think that should have been the front cover shot. Um, It's a pretty wild image once you open the double LP and maybe to shrink it down to to fit on the album cover... You know, maybe the band or the marketers or whomever didn't like the idea of putting that on the cover because they didn't want to shrink it down. I don't know. I just think that the inside gatefold definitely would have been a better front cover than what we got. Um, It's certainly better than the next release they did, but we'll talk about that when we get to that podcast. So... um, Packaged inside the LP were some awesome, awesome goodies for fans. There was a full-color booklet, which is called The Evolution of Kiss, um, a set of, and a set of temporary tattoos that were in like cartoon fashion, you know, so cartoon images of the band members. Um, there was also a merchandise form and a chance to enlist in the Kiss Army, because by that point, you, if you're a Kiss fan, you had to enlist in the Kiss Army. Uh, fans who have that original album with all of the extras, you're sitting on a nice, rare treat. I don't have the vinyl version of Alive. I never did. Um, so, And I definitely don't have the version that has all the goodies included. Um, sealed versions of this particular album go for around $250. Um, and open versions with all the extras still included can go between $125 to $200, depending on the dealer. Um, I'd love to get my hands on a vinyl version of this album with all the extras, um, if for nothing else, just to hold the book, The Evolution of Kiss. Uh, but I'm not spending that much money for it. Look, anybody who wants to send me a copy, feel free to uh, email me, and I will give you my address. <laughs> I will tell you how to get it to me. Um, but other than that, I mean, I don't expect it. Like, I go to KISS conventions, and, you know, I see this stuff for sale, and I always think, like, oh, man, I should really get that for myself. It would be nice in a collection. But, like, after, after a couple times looking through it, you know, what would I do with it? Maybe I played a vinyl once or twice on my record player, and then you know, then what? So, I don't know. I just can't justify spending $200, $250 for a collectible piece like that. Um as for the booklet itself, I've seen that sell for $75 online by itself, but personally, that, that that's just a bit out of my price range. You know, it's a bit out of what I'm willing to spend. As cool as that is, it just, I don't know, again, it just doesn't justify the cost. Like, you know, if we're talking about a gold or platinum record uh, for, for a couple hundred bucks, you know, then I could probably justify the cost of, of getting something like that, but I don't know. I just I'm uh, I'm very frugal <laughs> because I'm very broke. So, so it's funny how one goes with the other. But uh, anyway, anybody who has a sealed copy of Alive Two or a copy of Alive Two that has all the goodies, even though it's been opened, you know, you, you could get like I said anywhere between 125 to 200, probably 250 if it's sealed. So um, you know, if you if you wanted to part with that, uh, you know, you can make. Make a nice little chunk of change there. So, all right. So, Alive Two was the follow-up to Kiss's extremely successful Alive album, 
and it was meant to be the counterpart to that record. Um, you know, we've talked on a couple episodes now about how Alive was the record that put Kiss on the map, and how if you know they never recorded Alive, there probably wouldn't be a Kiss today. Um, they might not have made it past their third album had they not recorded and released Alive. And we've talked about that on a couple episodes, and we'll go into that again. Um, but for Alive Two, they took only songs that had been released on Destroyer, Rock and Roll Over, and and Love Gun. Those were the ones that were included for this record um, as the songs from the first three live albums were already released on a live. So once it was realized that there wasn't enough live songs to make a double LP, the band had to go back into the studio to record five studio bonus tracks for the album. Um, One of those tracks I consider to be one of the greatest Kiss songs ever recorded, and we'll get into that as we get further into this episode, but... um, I always found it interesting that, uh, you know, they had the same number of songs to work from as they did with Alive, right? You got the first three albums, and um, without going back and double-checking, I think you had 20 songs to work from, and, or, I'm sorry, not 20, 30 songs to work from, and 20 of them were recorded and put on Alive. Nope, that's incorrect, 16 were recorded and put on Alive, so maybe I should have done a little bit better research <laughs> before recording this album. Anyway, my point is I never understood why they needed to add the five studio songs at the end. I think they could have found a way to record enough songs, even if it was 16 songs, 17 songs, just to make it a pure live album. I'm grateful that they recorded those five studio tracks um, for several reasons. Uh, one of them being, you know, this, this really was... Um, the end of the era for Kiss. So these are one of the few remaining tracks from the original band members, you know, that we were going to get, even though we'll get into this when we get into those particular songs, they weren't recorded by all the band members. None of those songs were. Um, So anyway, uh, Alive 2 was mostly recorded during August shows that were held at the Great Western Forum in California during the Love Gun Tour. Uh, Some soundcheck songs were also recorded, and some were included on the final release where they added crowd noise in post-mix, something they learned to do from the first live record. Uh, And then there were a couple of cuts, Beth and I Want You, that were used from a Japan tour that was recorded at Budokan Hall in April of 1977. And let me tell you, there are some great bootlegs out there of those Budokan shows uh, that include the songs that were used on Alive 2, as well as other classic Kiss songs that were being performed during the time period. Um, Nothing to Lose, Let Me Go Rock and Roll, Cold Gin, those come to mind right away. And I'm sure uh, with a small Google search, you can easily find those songs or even that entire concert. And I highly recommend giving them a listen if you have the opportunity. I was fortunate enough to purchase a bootleg cassette tape of one of those Budokan concerts when I was in high school at a uh, flea market uh, vendor was selling bootlegs and I was able to get uh, you know the Kiss Budokan bootleg for five bucks or eight bucks whatever I paid for it and I I wore that tape out I listened to it so much for like a six month period non-stop it's just it was so great and just captures the magic of the band and what they were like in the 70s and you know again I, I never got to see them in the 70s so this was the closest I could get to witnessing the band live and um, so recommendation if if you have the opportunity to seek it out it's got to be on youtube by now i'm sure or um you know other bootlegged sources you could hear one of those budokan shows from april of 1977 um and alive 2 really was the record that ended an era for kiss uh they would never be the same after this record this album was the band's eighth official release in the span of just four years And as we all know, things were going to change after this. A greatest hits package, solo records, a terrible made-for-TV movie, and the band's contribution to the disco era are all on deck after Alive 2. Um, Purist Kiss fans really believe that this was the last great release the band ever had. I personally don't think that's true, but I do recognize that this was the end of Original Kiss. Um, And thankfully, you know, they ended up with a bang 
and and not with a whimper. Alive 2 is a great way for the band, the original band, to go out. Um, you know, and uh, some of you are saying, well, you know, they still they recorded Dynasty and they recorded Unmasked, but it wasn't all for original members. And as we get to those episodes, we'll get into that. I mean, Alive 2, not even the studio tracks. That's what really tells the story. The, the sides 1, 2, and 3 are the last time all original members are together in this era and they they you know they wouldn't come together again for record wise i know they still toured together until you know 79 80 and then they got um Eric Carr for uh, drums but for this era this was it sides 1 2 and 3 of alive 2 were the end of original kiss Alright, so let's break down the songs on this record. And as I did for Alive, I will preempt this by saying that, you know, the the first 15 songs, I've already given my opinions on the songs as a whole on previous podcasts. Um, you know, the Destroyer songs were on the Destroyer podcast, Rock and Roll Over on Rock and Roll Over, Love Gun on Love Gun. So, I'm going to give my thoughts on the live version and, you know, where I can, um, I'll try to mention which, which version I think is better, the live version or the studio version. Most of the time, the live version is going to win. Live kisses, as I've stated several times, is just an experience to behold, especially early live kiss, which one day I'm going to get that time machine and I am going to go see kiss in, in 1977 and it is going to blow my mind. Um, and then the five studio tracks, of course, obviously I haven't covered previously. So with that preemptive, let's get into it. So Detroit Rock City kicks off um, Alive 2 after the Spoken House introduction, of course. And this was written by Paul Stanley and Bob Ezrin, and it's sung by Paul Stanley. Um, and, you know, this begins the same way the first live record did, with the roar of the crowd and the house announcer stating, you wanted the best and you got the best. The hottest band in the world, KISS! Uh, and with that, Detroit Rock City is off and running. Um, and while the studio version of this song is a masterpiece and is masterpiece material, um, the live version is superior to me as most live Kiss is. And whether or not it's truly live, it's still absolutely awesome. You know, as noted in the Destroyer episode, Detroit Rock City was a turning point for Kiss lyrically, musically, and professionally. Um, they took that magic and they made it even better on the live version. And that's just because of the energy that you can feel coming out of this song live. There's an energy there. You know, you close your eyes, you slip on your good set of headphones, and you just listen to Alive 2. Listen to Detroit Rock City and Alive 2 with no other outside distractions. Don't make it background music. Really, just pick a night, sit down, put this on the player, record player, CD player, uh, Amazon Echo player, whatever player you have with a set of headphones and just relax, lean back and listen, you're going to feel the energy just pouring out of those speakers. And that's why I think live Detroit Rock City is better than the studio version. Now, I love in the studio version, I love the intro, I love the newscast, I love the whole you know car crash thing, and, and we covered that on that episode, but... Um, Live version it just edges it out because of the, the power and the uh, and the just the raw energy that comes with the live version of Detroit Rock City. They're really two almost separate songs in their own right: the studio version versus the live version. And um, you know, maybe just sit back and listen to those back to back, and you can really pick apart the the differences in the songs. And I'm not even talking about the intro. You know, obviously that's clearly a difference, but just listen to the to the body of the songs themselves, and you'll know you'll know what the difference is. Next up is King of the Nighttime World. Uh, this was written by Paul Stanley, Bob Ezrin, Kim Fowley, and Mark Anthony, and it was sung by Paul Stanley. 
And I love that the band followed in the footsteps of the studio recording, and they made Detroit Rock City go right into King of the Nighttime World uh, as the first two songs on Alive 2. It really set the stage for what the band had done over their last three records, and it reset the time clock, so to speak. You know, let's go back to our first release, Post Alive, and remind the fans where the second wave of Kiss began. Uh, If I were seeing Kiss live for the first time in 1977, and these were the two opening songs, I'd be out of my mind with ecstasy. Hell, if I were to see the if I were to see Kiss in 2018, and these were the first two songs that they played, I'd be out of my mind with ecstasy. You know, maybe maybe on an upcoming cruise they'll decide like, hey, let's play Alive 2 in its entirety. I know for one of the cruises they played Alive in its entirety. Maybe they'll play Alive 2 in its entirety, and they'll go from Detroit Rock City into King of the Night time world and it would just be absolutely amazing now granted it wouldn't have ace it wouldn't have aces uh amazing magnificent guitar intro into those pounding drums but it would still be pretty awesome tommy thayer is a great guitar player in his own right and um you know haters send me hate mail all you want i look i don't think tommy's better than ace Um, And yes, I'd love to have Ace in the band, but I think Tommy Thayer is an exceptional guitar player, Um, you know, and he he would do King of the Nighttime World justice. Uh, Next up is Ladies' Room. This was written by Gene Simmons, and it was sung by Gene Simmons, and this is another live gem. Uh, the live version of this song is, is it's just, it's a gem. Uh, this is the song that I wish Kiss would play more often. I love Peter's drums on the live version. And, um, and for a live too, you know, Gene's voice is still so young and so hungry. It, it's remarkable. You know, I, I often forget that these guys were all in their mid-20s when this record was recorded. I, I've lived with older Kiss so long, pretty much since I've been a fan, that I forget there was a time when there was when there was a young Kiss. You know, a Kiss that was the biggest and the best band in all all of rock and roll. I got into Kiss in 87, so by that point, they were already in their 30s, you know, and I was I was a teenager, so I really, really looked up to them, but, you know, they were already in their 30s, which, that, while that's not old, you know, it's older. Like, I never got to see 20s Kiss, you know, and that's... So I forget that there was a time when Kiss were in their 20s, you know, and um, Alive 2 really captures that magic and reminds me of how incredible this band was back then. Now, that's not to say they aren't still incredible, because to me, they, they are. But 1977 Live Kiss, it was just it was on another level. One that'll never be matched by the band themselves, and probably never be matched by any other band. Uh, it's hard to even come close. Uh, you know, I go to a lot of concerts, and I go to concerts by young, young, newer bands. I go to concerts by older classic bands, and it is very hard for me to find somebody who puts on a performance like Kiss. Who even comes close to putting on a performance like Kiss. They are uh, in a class all by themselves, all to themselves. Um, and Ladies' Room is one of the prime examples of why that is. It, it's, I mean, it's just, it's a simple song. But when it's performed live, it becomes something extraordinary, you know. And and again, I only have a live two, and um, I think it's on one of the DVDs that I have. You know, that's all I have to go on of what this song is like live. I've never seen it live in concert when I've seen the band. And again, I would I would love to. I, I would love to see them perform this live. It would really uh, be something special to me, but. The Alive 2 version of Ladies' Room, where you have young Gene and just that power in his voice and, and the, the just the energy. It just, it absolutely, absolutely amazing. And um, just another gem on a record filled with them. All right, next up is Making Love. And this was written by Paul Stanley and Sean Delaney. And it was sung by Paul Stanley. Um, and this is a decent song where the live version is better. Um, Making Love was really just, it was never one of my favorite Kiss songs, but it's a good enough song. I've never had anything against it. I just, it just never really did anything for me. 
Um, and the live version is kind of the same. I'd rather have Mr. Speed or Love Him and Leave Him on Alive 2 instead of Making Love. Um, and I'm sure that puts me in the minority. But I think Alive 2 would be a better album with one of those songs instead of Making Love. Um, however, I'm not even sure that Kiss played either of those songs live in the 70s. I think they did not, but I'm not 100% sure. So um, if anybody wants to verify that and let me know, <laughs> shoot me an email, send me a tweet, I would uh, I would be most grateful. Um, but I don't think they played either of those songs live. And that's not to say that Making Love makes Alive 2 a bad album, because Alive 2 is not a bad album. And the addition of Making Love doesn't make or break the record. Um, but again, I just think Mr. Speed or Love Em and Leave Em or some other song would be better placed on this record than Making Love. Next up is Love Gun, and this was written by Paul Stanley, and it was sung by Paul Stanley. Um, and, you know, Paul shouts it out to start this song. All right, Love Gun! And then the drums... And I always tell myself I'm not going to sing and play in air instruments for you guys. That's not what you're listening for. But I, I get excited over certain things, and Live Love Gun um, is one of those things. And yes, this is a song that I am a little tired of hearing. Uh, it's been a bit overplayed. I've seen it live far too many times. Um, however, the Alive 2 version is like a version I have never heard before. Again, it's younger Kiss, so it's going to be tighter and it's going to be more magical. But there's no denying the fact that it, it's incredible. I can listen to this live version several times over and over, excuse me, and not get tired. Uh, the studio version or the current live version, not so much. Um, and maybe it's because of Ace's guitar solo, which is absolutely masterful. Maybe it's because the band was younger and hungrier and still working hard to win over and keep their fans. Maybe it's just the time that it was recorded. But whatever the reason, the Alive 2 version of Love Gun is probably the best version ever recorded um, and ever released and that I have ever heard. It, it blows away live love gun today where i know you know paul's going oh, i want to fly through the audience for you guys and you know go to his little separate stage and, and play love gun from the small stage while the rest of the band's on a big stage and yeah that's cool and whatnot but after the first time i've seen it it's like meh okay and it takes away from the song because people are looking for the theatrics and they're not listening to the song and they're not looking to hear the song and you know on a live too i don't know what paul was doing when this came up i just know all right love gun anyway so calling dr love is the next song and this is written by gene simmons and it was sung by gene simmons and as love gun fades out calling dr love fades in and all right i know everybody's got rock and roll pneumonia <laughs> cool way to intro the song but again it's tired and it's haggard now uh, it's been used uh, a million bajillion times. We're going to call out the doctor. Um, but back then, in 77, it was fresh and it was cool. Uh, and this is one of the rare songs that I don't think the live version is better than the studio version. I like the drums. I like the guitars. Um, but the song's pretty much the same as the studio version, perhaps a tad weaker. So it doesn't really bring the excitement level of the other songs. It's just kind of pedestrian to me. So calling Dr. Love live is not better than calling Dr. Love studio. It just studio version wins, but by a narrow, narrow margin. Next up is Christine 16, and this was written by Gene Simmons, and this was sung by Gene Simmons. And the first thing that jumps out at me on the live version is there's no piano on this version. Um, and that's, that's always stood out to me, because I've always felt like something was missing without the piano. That's probably because something is missing, the piano. Um, they try, Kiss tries to use the bass line to make up that piano part. Uh, but it doesn't even come close to covering the absence of the piano. And I get it. 
Kiss wasn't going to take a piano out on tour for one song um, and, you know, have somebody run up and, and play it, one of the techs or whoever. Um, but I just, I think it would have been cool to hear the live piano for this song. Um, but again, I get it. I understand why there's no piano in the live version. Uh, this is another rare song where I think the studio version is better than the live version. Um, and that's not just because of the absent piano, although that does help solidify the case to me as to why the studio version is better than the live version. I think overall, the studio version just works better. Um, it's not that I would leave Christine 16 off the live record. I think the live version's fantastic. But I've just, I've always preferred the studio version, and I, I think it's, it's just a better version overall. And, you know, if I had to pick one version of Kiss songs to have and only one version to listen to, you know, I could choose a live version or I could choose a studio version of their entire catalog. I would choose the studio version of Christine 16. Next up is the biggest treat of treats, and that is Shock Me. Uh, this was written by Ace Freely, and it's sung by Ace Freely. And, you know, it, it iconically starts out with Paul saying, We got a little surprise for you tonight. Uh, we're going to turn the microphone over to... Ace Freely, shock me! Uh, a surprise indeed. This was Ace Freely's first live vocals on a Kiss record, and it would remain the only live Ace vocals on a Kiss record until Unplugged came out in 1996, almost 20 years later. Add in the wild guitar solo and... Shock Me is just an amazing piece of live music. It's one of the greatest treats on Alive 2. Um, and for whatever reason, the live version just... It sounds so much more meaningful than the studio version. Uh, again, maybe it's the power of the live performance. Maybe it's the fact that it's the first time we get to hear a sing live. Uh, maybe it's some other reason entirely. But whatever it is, Live Shock Me is a masterpiece. Uh, I wish I was old enough to have seen this live when the band was touring in 77. I know I say that a lot. Um, but I'm always grateful that I did get to see it live during the reunion tour. That was uh, that was one of the key moments of the reunion tour for me. And Ace played Shock Me. And I just, I was, I went nuts. I was ecstatic. <laughs> so magnificent to see him play that in my entire life. I had wanted to see that and I got to see it in the reunion tour. Um... And, and, look, I hated when Tommy Thayer did this song live on a, on a much, uh, on a recent Kiss tour. Uh, I think it was the Sonic Boom tour. And I, you know I have nothing against Tommy Thayer. Uh, just on this episode alone, I've already stated how I think he's a great guitar player. But I was mortified that Kiss was going to play Ace's signature song without Ace. Uh, it was maddening, and I I got angry. I really got angry with the band during that performance, that they, they were performing that song, Sans Ace. I kept saying, you know, Tommy Thayer has two great songs that he can perform live. Well, if it was during Sonic Boom, it was one, one great song, but still, let him perform his song live. Um, or... Or maybe let him do Cold Gin and sing sing that. But don't let him play Shock Me. Oh, you know, why does he got to go to the classic Ace song? Uh, I, I know I can't be the only fan who feels this way. I'm, I'm sure there are other fans who, who got upset about this, too. Um, and, you know, look, I, I, the reason they played it is because... Live Kiss is afraid to take any chances in 2018, or even back then, was it 2009, 2010, when Sonic Boom came out? Live Kiss is afraid to take chances. They're, they're going to play the classics that they really believe that's why the fans are here, and we got to play all these classic songs from the 70s. And, and I say this every episode, I'm going to do a set list episode. I'm, I'm definitely going to do a set list episode and really give my opinion on how to change the set list. But regardless, um, you know, that's why they 
let Tommy Thayer play Shockman. Maybe there was some backlash because then I think on the following tour he got to play Out of This World. And I'd have to have to look it up to confirm if it was Out of This World or a different song. But it, the point was, the next time I saw them, he didn't play Shockman. That, that was much better. Um, again, I love Tommy Thayer, but... Shock Me is only meant to be played by Kiss when Ace is with them. Otherwise, it's meant to be played by Ace solo. That's it. All right. That's it. Next song is Hard Luck Woman. And this was written by Paul Stanley, and it was sung by Peter Chris. And we went into the details of, you know, Paul writing this song and and how Peter ended up singing on it on the uh, Rock and Roll Over episode. So I won't re-cover that here, but um, I, I adore this live version. I mean, I love Hard Luck Woman to begin with. I think it's a really great song, but I truly love the live version. Uh, the scratchiness of Peter's vocals, the clear bass guitar, uh, the great lead and rhythm guitars, it's its all just so fantastic when hearing the Alive 2 version. The studio version's great, but this live cut is just, it's so much better. Um, and the crowd sounds energetic and 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 passionate, um, you know, if it's a real live crowd, because with Kiss, you never know. Um, but the overall passion really rings through with this live performance, and, and uh, I think I think it's wonderful that they included this on the record, you know, because they already had some ballads, and, and again, I don't know how the determination was made as to what was going to be included on the live records, but, you know, Hard Luck Woman was a minor hit for Kiss, so it probably makes sense that they almost felt they had to include it. I'm glad they did, and I think I think Hard Luck Woman Live is better than Beth Live on Alive 2. That's my opinion. Um, that's how I feel. I just I would take Hard Luck Woman over Beth on Alive 2. Um, next up is Tomorrow and Tonight. And this was written by Paul Stanley. And it was sung by Paul Stanley. And it's a, it's a meh song. <laughs> the studio version is meh. The live version is meh. It's cool that they pulled this out for the Kiss Cruise, the most recent Kiss Cruise. And if I saw it live now, I know I'd love it. And I'd go all fanboy and be like, oh, they played tomorrow tonight. Oh, my God. I never play that. Because that's, that's what I do. I get fanboy, especially at a Springsteen or a Dave Matthews concert. Uh, when they pull out a rare gem that hasn't been played in 20 years or ever, I go I go all fanboy. So, yes, if I were at a Kiss concert and they played tomorrow and tonight, I would go nuts. And I'd be like, oh, can you believe they played it? In retrospect, in all honesty, Tomorrow and Tonight's not a strong song. And it's not a very good song either. Um, There were so many better choices uh, that the band could have played on this tour and that they could have recorded for this album, but somehow they decided to go with this one. Look, it is what it is, but it's not a great song. And overall, I think it brings Alive 2 down a little bit. Um, Live Kiss albums really should only have the best of the best, and I've just never felt that tomorrow and tonight is the best of anything. <laughs> I Stole Your Love is next. And that was written by Paul Stanley and sung by Paul Stanley. And things actually pick up with the song. Even if the crowd noise is a post-mix ad, um, that's okay. I don't have any issues with that. And, you know, I've covered that on when we did a live. Uh, if they need to mix in some crowd noise in post to clean it up and, and give it a better live feel i'm okay with that um look i was never overly excited by i stole your love but i do appreciate the song um the live version is pretty solid but it's it's just it's not what i feel is a signature kiss song i think it's a good enough song to include on a live too um you know i think it's better than tomorrow tonight but it just i don't know i don't think it's a a fabulous song and it's just kind of there, you know. Again, a different song could have been used and recorded that I think would have made the album stronger, but I don't think I Stole Your Love Live takes away from Alive 2. It doesn't make it weaker. It just, I don't know, it just kind of hangs there. Kind of like Making Love. They're there, they're on the album, but I don't know, they don't really do anything for me. Um, and, you know, this is a song that kind of got away from the band for many years, too. So maybe, perhaps... They felt the uh, same way about this song. I don't know. They don't talk to me. 
Beth is next, and as we all know by now, this was written by Peter Chris, Bob Ezrin, and Stan Penridge, and it was sung by Peter Chris. And look, Kiss had to include Beth on Alive, too. There was no way that this song was not going to be on the next live record. Not after the level of success it achieved upon its release, um, as a B-side, no less. And while the orchestra music is pre-recorded, no one cares. It's still it's great to hear Peter sing his most famous song in a live setting. And as I said, I'd take Hard Luck Woman over Beth. I get the love for Beth. I get why Beth is on here. I get why Beth was played at the reunion tours. It's Beth. I get it. Uh, live version and the studio version are almost identical, which to say, which is to say, they're both um, absolutely amazing. This is the greatest Kiss ballad ever recorded. Um, it's possibly one of the greatest ballads ever recorded by any band. I say that with a biasness toward my favorite band being Kiss. I get that, but it's find me another ballad that ranks up there with this song. Beth is just amazing and it's beautiful and it's heartfelt and really not much else can be said that hasn't been said about it already. It's a magnificent, magnificent song and just a real a real gem and on Alive 2 it it's it was great. It was great to have it on Alive 2. Um again, even though the orchestra's pre recorded, that's that's okay. Next up is God of Thunder, and this was written by Paul Stanley, and this was sung by Gene Simmons. And look, you like drum solos? You like bass intros? You like powerful, hard-hitting, sock-you-in-the-gut rock songs? Then you must love God of Thunder Live. I know I do. I think this is the song from the record that best captures what the live experience would be, would be like. Um, even though we can't see what's going on, we can hear it. And God of Thunder Live conveys the power and the magic of a live Kiss show very, very well. The raw energy in Gene's voice. The hard-hitting smash of Peter's drums. It all blends so well. Uh, when I first heard this song live as a teen, I closed my eyes and I imagined what it would be like to see Kiss in concert. This song filled my head with so many images that I knew I had to see this band live, and preferably in makeup. Remember, you know, at the time I was really getting into Chris, Kiss, as I said, Crazy Nights was their current release, and uh, the statement at that time was they were never going to put the makeup back on. Those days had passed. We weren't going to see makeup kiss in concert except on old video footage. Uh, part of that could be because they really honestly believed that Peter and Ace were never coming back to the band. I understand that thought process. You know, they had a good thing going with Bruce Kulick and Eric Carr, and they were still selling records pretty well, and they were still pretty damn popular without the makeup. So I understand why they thought that way. Um, and as a teen, that was painful for me because all I ever wanted was Kiss in full makeup, which is funny because now, as an adult who has seen Kiss in full makeup several times, I would love to see Kiss without the makeup. I would love to see them do a tour without the makeup. Um, I normally get this if I go on a Kiss Cruise because you get best of both worlds. They do a no makeup show and they do a makeup show. But look, I got $250 to buy Kiss Alive 2 um, still wrapped in, in the factory plastic. I certainly don't have $2,200 to go on a Kiss Cruise. But man can dream. Anyway, uh, I'm thankful that they changed their, their mind many years later. Uh, but at the time, all I had was my imagination um, and songs like this to be played to really think of what Live Kiss in the makeup was like. I love Peter's drum solo on this song. I love how after Paul screams, Peter Chris on the drums, Gene comes back with that powerful deep scream, I am the lord of the wasteland. It, it just chills my skin it's so magnificent i could listen to live god of thunder over and over and over again god of thunder is one of my favorite kiss songs anyway and quick quick side story the first time i got to see this live 
uh, was on the reunion tour, and I screamed so loud I I almost lost my voice, and not not like scream like yeah I love this song. I screamed every word to this song at the top of my lungs, banging my head. I, I think I was in my twenties at the time, like early to mid twenties, just banging my head. Um, going nuts, flailing my arms. I feel sorry for the people next to me. They must have thought I was a mental patient. But I couldn't help myself. It was God of Thunder live. And I was into it 110%. And I just remember not being able to talk for three days after that show. And, and that, that was a big reason why. Just God of Thunder is, is magnificent. I Want You is next. And this was written by Paul Stanley. And it was obviously sung by Paul Stanley. And this is a good studio song, and it's a better live song. Um, the capture of the crowd noise is nice. Uh, the soft start is cool. Then they kick into the chorus and make it all come together. Uh, Paul's vocals are very strong on the live cut. And this could be some of his finest work on the first two live records. Um, then, of course, there's the really cool back and forth with Paul and the crowd. With, I want you. I Want you? I I want want you you. I want 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 want. Well, you get it. <laughs> Again, you didn't tune in to hear me do my Paul Stanley imitation of I want you. But I just I always thought that was really neat, really cool interaction between him and the audience. And you know, the live version really shows that kind of interaction. That again, you. You just didn't get to see in the 70s. You know what a live Kiss concert was like unless you went to it or you had this album. So, uh, Next up is Shout It Out Loud. This is the last live track on Alive 2. This was written by Paul Stanley, Gene Simmons, and Bob Ezrin. And it's sung by Paul Stanley and Gene Simmons. And this is a great choice for a closing song on the second live record. Gene and Paul both sing. It's a strong song. And since Let Me Go Rock and Roll and Rock and Roll All Night couldn't be included as part of this record, Shout It Out Loud is the best choice to end the concert recording, Um, if not the obvious choice. I I also love how Alive 2 opens and closes with the best that Kiss had to offer because, you know, I still feel, I always will feel, Destroyer's their best record by a lot. Um, and to open with Detroit Rock City into King of the Nighttime World and close with Shout It Out Loud, it, it just shows how strong that record really is. And um, you know, live version of Shout It Out Loud, I guess it gets the edge over the studio version. You know, they're neck and neck. They're both fantastic in their own right. Um, you know, I guess, again, for the same argument I made for a few songs, the, the live version gets the nod because it had a little more energy. Um, you know, because it was live, so, but they're both fabulous, and, um, again, just a great way to wrap up the live portion of Alive 2 with Shout It Out Loud. And that takes us to the studio version, uh, the studio songs, rather. Um, so next up, first song on side four, is All American Man. Um, just written by Paul Stanley and Sean Delaney, and it was sung by Paul Stanley. And to finish out the double LP, Kiss had to record some studio songs for side four. Um, it's new material, which made uh, made Alive 2 an even stronger album. You get 15 classic live cuts, and you get five brand new songs. Um, I've always loved live albums or compilation albums that include new songs, because you get to hear where the band was, but you also get to hear where the band is heading. And I think these five songs really showcase where the band was heading uh, in 1977. All American Man's a pretty strong song. Um, it's great inclusion for Alive 2. Lyrically, it's one of the deepest that Kiss had done up to that point. And while thematically it's classic Kiss about sex and ego, it's still it's a highly enjoyable song. Um, as we know now, Ace did not play guitar on this one. And while diehard fans could probably easily tell it's not Ace's style of guitar. He was given credit at the time of the release, and that's most likely because the band didn't want the fans to know that there was a lot of inner tor- turmoil and inner trouble going on in the inner workings of the band. 
they wanted everybody to think everything was was hunky dory peachy keen. So look, Bob Kulik's a stand-up guy uh, to play guitar without credit on this and two other songs. Um, his guitar work is is it's amazing in its own right, and it shows us what Kiss could have been if Bob had gotten the gig as lead guitarist. Um, and we're going to see more of that on Paul's solo album when we get to that episode. Next up is Rockin' in the USA. This was written by Gene Simmons, it's sung by Gene Simmons, and let's face it, this song sucks. <laughs> There's no sugarcoating it. This is a terrible, terrible song. There's almost nothing redeeming about this track at all. It's a story about traveling the world as a touring artist, but noting there's nowhere else that he'd rather be than rocking in the USA. Okay, that's cool. I love my country, too. I think our fans rock the hardest, but still, this is a crap song. The music's weak. The lyrics are terrible. The vocals aren't that great. There's nothing good about this song, and the only reason I listen to it from time to time is when I shuffle my Kiss songs and it comes up. Um, or if I have to listen to it from podcasts like this. Um, I don't think you will ever hear me say, oh, let's listen to Rockin' in the USA. That's another... <laughs> no. Uh, just probably not going to happen. This is also another song where Bob played lead guitar, but even that couldn't save this garbage. Uh, next up is Larger Than Life. This was written by Gene Simmons and sung by Gene Simmons. And this song almost makes up for Rocking in the USA being so terrible. Almost. Uh, it's a much better song than Rocking in the USA, that's for sure. Uh, it's actually a great song overall. And one that I think would fit well on any Kiss record from the 70s. Um, but I've always felt it would have fit best on Love Gun. It just sort of blends in with the style of songs that they were recording at that time. Bob Kulik plays lead guitar on this one as well, and um, he does a phenomenal job of it. I like the sing-along chorus that screams for you to clap your hands and join in the fun, and I'm not going to sing and clap my hands, but you know what I mean. <laughs> the guitar solo is terrific, and this uh, it really did show off Bob Kulik's ability with a guitar. Um, and I understand why Kiss wanted him in the band before Ace showed up. I mean, truly amazing work. Uh, and if not for Rocket Ride, Larger Than Life would probably be the best studio track on Alive 2. Um, this is another song that I, I would love to see Kiss perform at a concert or on the cruise. Um, I think Larger Than Life would be a perfect deep cut, and I think fans would really dig it. And look, if they're going to play Alive 2 in its entirety, which I'm not saying they will, but if they're going to, um, then play the play the five studio tracks as well. Like, Don't stop it, shout it out loud, and call it a night. you got to play the next five songs too. And yes, that we're going to get into the next song in a moment, and that could create some issues over, you know, who's going to sing that song. But look, I'm okay with Tommy singing Rocket Ride more than I'm okay with Tommy singing Shock Me. So, you know, if you're going to play Alive 2 in its entirety, Tommy can sing Rocket Ride. And speaking of, Rocket Ride is the next song on the album. This was written by Ace Freely and Sean Delaney, and it was sung by Ace Freely. And this... This truly is one of the greatest Kiss songs ever recorded during this era. Perhaps the greatest Ace song ever recorded, though you can make the argument for Shock Me night and day, and you could possibly win with the argument that Shock Me is better. Both songs are flat-out breathtaking. Ace and Peter are um, the only ones who performed on this song. Um, Ace played all the guitars, lead, rhythm, and bass, and, you know, Peter obviously did the drums. Ace originally intended this song for a solo album, and I could easily see this being the 10th track on Ace Freely, the solo record. And while I'm glad he included him on Alive 2, it really would have been the icing for his solo record, which is so magnificent to begin with um you know hands down the best of the solo albums and those reviews are coming soon um or those podcasts i should say are coming soon um perhaps one day there there can be a re-release of ace's solo record and rocket ride can be included on it uh that would be pretty cool but like i know it's not gonna happen it's nice for a fan to dream um, but i just i think that's something that would be pretty cool 
the guitar solo really is the best solo Ace ever recorded for a song, um, and that includes his work with Freely's Comet, and I know he's done some magnificent guitar solos, but to me, nothing trumps, nothing tops Rocket Ride. Um, it, it's just it, It's just jaw-dropping. You know, you listen to this guitar solo and you wonder how can one man make a guitar sound like that? Again, sit back with your headphones on, close your eyes and just listen to Rocket Ride with no outside distractions and listen, listen to that guitar solo. He's extremely talented. Um, That talent shines bright on the solo for Rocket Ride. And this is definitely a top 10 Kiss song from the 70s and most likely a top 10 Kiss song from their entire catalog. And again, that is an episode I will do towards the end of this journey. I will list, um, you know, my top 10 Kiss songs, my top 25 Kiss songs. It's probably going to be hard to keep it to 10. Um, But I'll list my top Kiss songs, and I have a feeling Rocket Ride could possibly crack that list. Um, It's one of the greatest treats we've ever been given. Uh, And the quick drum solo to end the song, that's just a really, really cool bonus. Look, Rocket Ride is, it's, it's just majestic. Last song up is Any Way You Want It. And this was written by Dave Clark and sung by Paul Stanley. And I've always had a soft spot for this cover of the Dave Clark 5 uh, song, Any Way You Want It. Um, it's little-known Kiss song that most casual fans don't know or have forgotten, but I've always enjoyed this song a lot. Uh, this is a Kiss song that I would seek out to hear, and um, definitely one I would love to see them pull out live. I know it's a cover song, but still. Uh, Paul played all the guitars on this one, um, but Peter and Gene were involved as well for backing vocals and drums, respectively. And look, Kiss hasn't done a lot of cover songs in their storied career, but every time they do one, it's always fabulous, and any way you want it is no exception, and I think it's a great way to close out the studio version of Alive 2. Um, I think it's a great cover song. I think it was a great choice, because it was, it was an obscure choice. I certainly wouldn't know any way you want it if it wasn't for Kiss, and you know I've since listened to the Dave Clark Five version several times, obviously, and and the Kiss version. I like the Kiss version more, but that could be because it's the first version I ever heard. But I just I thought it was a neat, obscure pick, kind of like when they did um, "Then She Kissed Me" for for the end of Love Gun. So um, cool way to to close out the record. Um, look, after this, Kiss is going to be they'd be heading into excuse me, completely different direction. Um, and this record, it really marks the end of the most famous era of Kiss. And, uh, you know, we'll get in more into the direction they were heading on the next episode. So, look, uh, you know, this, this episode ran a little bit longer than I thought it would. Um, you know, I always thought my episode on Destroyer was going to be the longest episode I ever recorded, but not so so much so thanks for hanging in there um you know sorry this one ran a little bit longer but uh you know i had obviously had a lot to say and uh you know as always thanks for listening um you know i appreciate you guys uh liking this and um i appreciate you listening to this podcast and it's you know really encourages me and inspires me to uh to you know to continue on and um you know this is going to go on for a long time based on the mapping that i have even posting weekly you know this is a two two and a half year commitment so um i'm enjoying it i hope you are too um you know and if you are you got a comment to share you want to tell me you like the show you want to tell me you hate the show um email me at psychocircuspodcast at gmail.com um i have thick skin i can take it um i prefer emails that say you love the show obviously but uh you know feel free psychocircuspodcast at gmail.com again if uh, if you haven't done so already please go to itunes and leave a review um every review helps and subscribe subscribe to the podcast if you haven't done so already you can also check out my written works at rockandrollguru.blogspot.com that's r-o-c-k-a-n-d-r-o-l-l-g-u-r-u 
www.blogspot.com and that's um, that's my blog that's my written works uh, where I write about a bunch of different things uh, one of my most recent entries talks about platinum seats on Ticketmaster and just what a freaking debacle that is so rock and roll guru.blogspot.com if you want to see more of that. And of course you can follow me on Twitter. I'm at Ryov. That's at R-Y-O-V-I-E. Uh, no Facebook for me. Um, I'm just I'm not a Facebook guy. I have a Facebook account. I check it maybe once a year, maybe twice a year. Twitter's where it's at for me. I'm a Twitter guy. Um, so if you want to follow me on Twitter, by all means at R-Y-O-V-I-E. So be sure to tune in next time, um, which is not going to be Double Platinum, for those of you who are thinking that would be up next. It's actually going to be a bonus episode. So tune in next time for the bonus episode, The Year in Kiss, 1978. Uh, Until then, the carnival has just begun.